We have been blessed as people. We've been blessed so that we can be a blessing. I just believe that God wants to use us as a church, as individuals, to be a blessing to other people. God's favor on you can overflow to others. That's a really amazing thing. So God has got some radical things to say in the Bible about generosity and about giving. And I'm going to share some of those things with you today. And uh, I, I believe this will be a blessing to you. But uh, I want us to just to get hold of this because I think God wants to set us free. Jesus came to set you free. You will know the truth, the Bible says, and the truth will make you free free in your own heart. And I believe God wants to set you free from fear, from obligation, from stress, from poverty. God wants to set you free from so many things in your life. So here we go. The first radical thing that God has to say about giving and about generosity. Number one is that God does not want or need your money. And I have to say, when I first saw this scripture many years ago from Psalm 50, it's coming up on the screen, screen now, I was actually a little bit shocked uh, just to understand this because I heard so many people talk about money uh, in church because I've been in church all my life, right? And, you know, people are always talking about, you know, saying, well, you know, uh, you should give and this, this and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, you get the idea over time that there's kind of this obligation thing that, that well, we really should do this because we should, we should, we should. But number one, God does not need and he doesn't even really want your money. Let me read it to you. If you can read on the screen there. God says, I do not need the bulls from your barns or the goats from your pens. As if for, a, for an animal sacrifice, which was common in, in the Old Testament of the Bible. For all the animals of the forest are mine and I own the cattle on a thousand hills. You know what? He also owns the hills. He owns everything. Like I'm involved in mining industry. So God owns everything. He owns the wealth in every mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for all the world is mine and everything in it. So God doesn't need us to give him stuff. Let's be really open about that. Let's be really clear at the start of this message. Now, I've been, like I said, in church all my life, and I've heard thousands of these kind of offering messages, right? And I've never heard anybody use that scripture. You're hearing it first from me, okay? It's like giving to God is like buying a gift for the person who has everything. How do you do that? It's almost impossible, isn't it? You don't need to give something that he's going to be impressed with or something that maybe he's never had before. or You know, he's, he's not interested in that. It's not about that. Okay, number two. It's possible to give a tiny amount and in God's eyes be giving the most. And Nick Watson used the same scripture last weekend. I'm going to read it to you from Luke chapter 21. It's about this widow who was in total poverty, poverty stricken. And she came because she wanted to make an offering to God. And it says in Luke 21, just then Jesus looked up, he's at the temple and he saw the rich people dropping offerings in the collection plate. Okay. Then he saw a poor widow put in two pennies. And he said the plain truth to his disciples. He said, the plain truth is that this widow has given by far the largest offering today. All these others made offerings that they'll never miss. She gave extravagantly what she couldn't afford. She gave her all. Now, that's, that's such an amazing thing. Often we want to you know, give something to God and you, know, you, you can give something that maybe doesn't, you don't feel it much. I heard a story. Someone was talking about 
this in, in church and, and he said to, to the guy who was taking up the offering the, uh, with the offering bag and he said, to, you know, do you want to put some, some, an offering to God? He said, oh, I guess I could give 10 bucks and not feel it. And the guy said, well, why don't you give 20 bucks and feel it? You know, why, why not? <laughs> but the point is this widow, it says, gave everything. She gave her all. As far in God's eyes, it's possible to give a very small amount and yet give more than everybody else. Let's be clear about that. It's not the amount. And when we say that, we use that phrase. You know, God is really genuine about that. God knows a lot about giving your all because he gave his all for us. He gave his son so that we could be redeemed. We could be brought back to him. Third thing, it's possible to focus on accumulating riches in this life and end up poorer. As the Bible says in Matthew chapter 19, verse 21. I want to read want to read this out sorry Matthew 6 it is 19 to 21 don't hoard treasure down here where it gets eaten by moths and corroded by rust or even worse stolen by burglars stockpile treasure in heaven where it's safe from moth and rust and burglars it's obvious isn't it the place where your treasure is is the place you will most want to be and end up being where your treasure is that's where your heart's going to be now, if any of you here have ever been involved in the stock market, I won't ask you to put up your hand, but uh, over the years I've had a few small, uh, f- small amounts of shares in the stock market, okay, just a few dollars here, just experimenting a bit. But I can tell you this, if you've got shares in the stock market, you're going to find yourself going online and checking the prices all the time, right? No one's willing to own up here, but if you've had shares in the stock market, it's okay, you know. There's nothing wrong with that, by the way. But um, I found myself, um, I do like internet banking. So you go on, you go to do your internet banking and then you can just click one button and you can easily check your stock market prices. So, so I'd, I'd find myself often going to do some banking, you know, and so I'd, oh, I'll just go and check the price of that. I'll go and check that because the Bible says where your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. That's where, you, that's where you've invested your life. That's really... Uh, where your heart's going to be. And there's, a, there's a, a really powerful message in this also for married couples right now in this in the same scripture. You know, in the world system, you can fall in love and you can fall out of love. But God says, you know, if the feelings have died, you're a, if you're a married person here and maybe you're even struggling a little bit, this will be easier when we've got a thousand people in this church, by the way. No one's going to feel like I'm looking at them, but I'm not. I'm just genuinely, I'll look, I'll look this other way, you know. If you're struggling in your marriage and, and the feelings might have died or, or the feelings just aren't there anymore, you know, it's never, that's never ever a reason to look for updating to a newer model. It never is. What, what God says is what you need to start doing is investing in your spouse. You need to start putting your putting some resources in. That, that might be money. That might mean go and buy something. But it's not about that. It's about investing your time, investing your compliments, investing your praise. What you praise, you'll eventually love. That's a true principle. What you praise, you'll eventually love. And what you criticize, you'll eventually hate. So I just want to say, start investing in your spouse. It won't be long before your heart will follow. If you're struggling to love your spouse, don't say, I need to go and find someone else. Say, I need to start investing. I need to start investing. That principle is always true. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. So what's happening? 
when I give to God, you know what's happening? God is dealing with something in my heart. It's not affecting God one way or the other, but it's dealing with something on the inside of me. Something in my heart is changing when I'm giving to God. And God wants to set you free in your heart today. I love the scripture. I was just as I was going through, just thinking about this during the week in Philippians chapter 4. This is the Apostle Paul. I love, the, I love how secure he is about money and possessions. And he says, actually, I don't have a sense of needing anything personally. I've learnt by now to be quite content, whatever my circumstances. I'm just as happy with little as with much, with much as with little. I've found the recipe for being happy, whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty. Whatever I have and wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. So Paul, who was this, this missionary guy who was always traveling around and always planting churches and going back to the churches where he'd been, and, and God used him so powerfully, he wrote about a third of the New Testament and saw amazing miracles. The Bible says that God did special miracles through the hands of Paul. And, and uh, you know, the, the power of God was upon him wherever he went. And, but he'd learned how to be content with having something or having nothing. You know, he was never pursuing those things, but he was content wherever he was. And I believe the reason is because God had set him absolutely free in his heart. He was free of, uh, you know, of greed. He was free of fear. He was free of the things that bind people up in their hearts. So today what I want us to do just for a few minutes is look at what the New Testament has to say about giving and the way we hold and the way we uh, control, our, you know, for the finance that comes into our life. This is really about the grace of giving or giving as a response. I believe, friends, that we need to get a New Testament understanding of giving. We need to find out what the New Testament has got to say about giving. Because a lot of what uh, I've heard growing up in church has often been passages from the Old Testament, which presents a bit of a different slant on these things. And so I want to share with you some New Testament passages about giving today. And so it's often been said, and I've heard it said thousands of times, that if you do this, that is, if you give to God, if you do this, He will bless you. If you because it's like sowing and reaping, right? So if you invest in this, you do this, God will bless you. And so it ends up being, at the end of the day, that God is responding to me, or God is responding to us when we give. But what it's missing out is the fact that in the New Testament, God has made it really clear that He has poured out His blessing upon us, not because of anything that we do or any goodness on our part or any actions or lack of action on our part. It's actually all because of what Jesus did. That's the New Testament principle. And if you say, if you say well, if I do this, God will bless me. However you look at it, it's the language of the Old Covenant. It's the language of the Old Testament. And that language goes like this. If you will... Obey God, He will. If you will, He will. In the New Testament, the language is like this. God says, I have. Now will you respond? God says, I've already done it. I have. I've given my son. I've given the best I've got for you. I've already poured out so much upon you. I've just done so much already. Will you and can you respond to me in that way? So God says, I'm doing away with the old system and replacing it with a new system. And in the new covenant, God doesn't wait for us to do something or to take action. He took the initiative. God acted first. He acted on our behalf and he gave 
his only son. He gave the best that he had. I love this scripture in Romans chapter 8, verse 32. It says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him, that is with Jesus, also freely give us all things? So God says, the Bible says here, that he's already given us everything we need with Jesus. With him, how shall he not with him, with Jesus also freely give us all things. So now we, what we can do is we can respond to God on the basis of his love and the basis of his grace. I don't know about you, but when this sinks down into your heart and you really get a hold of this, uh, it just changes your thinking. When you start to understand that God has already blessed you so much, he's already given you so much, and it begins to just take root in your heart. And it begins to change your attitudes and your opinions. We, be, we respond to God. That's the way it works. And I've, I've said this before, and uh, I'm going to keep on saying it, that we, the way we give is we're responding to God. We're responding to His generosity and to His grace. A few, uh, I guess a couple of months ago, uh, my lovely wife sitting over here was uh, at the service station putting some fuel in the car, right? And uh, I was at work one day, and... And she rings me up and says, uh, guess what? Uh, just putting petrol in the car. Wow, that's fantastic, except it's a diesel car, right? <laughs> so I think there was about seven liters, was there? Seven liters of petrol went in the diesel tank. Okay, so what am I going to do? So, um, so uh, you know, she talked to the service station guy. What am I going to do? You know, the car was there. And so I, I started making a few phone calls and I, you know, rang the dealership and they said, oh, oh, hang on, you know, don't, don't start the car, whatever you do. You've got to go and get a tow truck, and you've got to bring it down here to the dealership, and we will remove the fuel tank, and we'll get the diesel, the petrol out of it, and then we'll, we'll put it back in. That was going to cost like uh, $700 or $800 or something, and I'm thinking, oh, no, this is, this is looking like a really expensive operation. This is, I'm thinking, man, this is just going to cause so much hassle, and that wasn't like counting the cost of the tow truck and all this kind of stuff, and... So because where I work, there's a lot of guys and mechanics. I talked to this one guy who's a very experienced senior motor mechanic. And I said, look, what should I do in this situation? And he said, absolutely nothing. Just, um, just fill it up with diesel and go and just drive it and then fill it up with some more diesel. And so anyway, we decided we would take the risk and we would do that. Okay. So Dell did. And, and look, it was fine. It, it wasn't a problem at all. And what happened is that... Um, uh, I was just, I was overwhelmed with gratitude because I just thought to myself, you know what? I just dodged a bullet, to use an expression. I just saved, I don't know, maybe a thousand dollars. I don't know. I just saved, just saved so much hassle and expense. And, uh, you know, what a blessing that was. So, um, over the we waited for a few days until we saw that the engine wasn't going to blow up. Okay. But, but, but I was just, I was actually overwhelmed with gratitude for this guy. And uh, he wasn't a guy that, you know, that would talk to me very much at work, just he's kept to himself a fair bit. But um, I took the opportunity to do something I've never, never done before. I found out, you know, what he likes to drink, this particular beverage that he likes to drink. And I went and got a carton of those particular beverages and bought it for him and gave it to him. He was, he was overwhelmed. He was, he was just really, really blown away by that. I've never done that before, but, you know, um, I just... I just the point is this, you know, giving as a response, it's a wonderful thing to be able to do that. 
And uh, I, ju- I just really felt that I needed to respond to him in that way. And since that time, you know, we've been sort of almost mates. You know, he, he talks to me and it's really, it's really kind of cool. <laughs> so giving as a response, that's the New Testament way. That's God's way. He's already done so much for us. We can give back to him. So in the, in the New Testament, uh, the Apostle Paul teaches about giving. Uh, in, in the book of 2 Corinthians, and I'm going to read a couple of passages to you. There was a, a famine that happened around the area of Jerusalem, the area of Judea, and the believers were really doing it tough. And I, uh, I, I read a little bit about this. In fact, this famine in, in like 40 AD to about 50 AD was so severe that people were dying of starvation in this area, right? It was a severe famine. And so uh, all of the other areas where Paul had been planting churches to the north, uh, he, he was traveling around and he was asking them, can you please like take up a collection because we're going to try and help these believers down here who've got nothing, they've got no food. So he wrote uh, to the church at Corinth and he said, look, uh, as you know, I've been uh, speaking to some of the other churches about taking up a collection for the people in Jerusalem and uh, so I'm hoping that you'll do the same. And uh, that letter... Uh, two whole chapters of Second Corinthians gives us some amazing insights into what generosity is all about. Because this is really from God, from the heart of God. So let's read it. Second Corinthians chapter eight, verse one and two. He's talking to the to the church in Corinth, and he says, "Now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace, the grace that God has given the churches of Macedonia. That's the other churches there. In the terrible ordeal they suffered, their abundant joy and their deep poverty overflowed." into rich generosity. Paul was bragging about the Macedonians to Corinth, and he was saying, you need to know that these guys have already taken up their offering to, for, the, for the believers in, in Jerusalem, and they've done so well. You know, but he said, what's happened is it's come out of what they've received from God. They've, been such, they've received so much of the grace of God, and out of that has overflowed their generosity in giving. Okay, They responded in generosity to the believers in Jerusalem. And so Paul was spending quite a bit of time sort of fundraising for the Jerusalem church. And you know that giving as a response, it's actually a natural human thing. It's a natural thing when you feel like that story I told about the, the fuel. You know, for me, it was just a natural thing to do when I, I just felt so blessed I wanted to, to be a blessing to that guy. So... Um, in the New Testament, our giving is always a response to His giving, to God's giving to us. So I, what we need to do as a church is just rearrange the formula a little bit. So we're not going to say, you know, if I do this for God, maybe He'll bless me. What we're going to say is, God has already blessed me. Now I can think about responding to God. I can, I can respond in the New Testament way. We just need to rearrange the way we say that formula. He doesn't bless you because you are good. He blesses you because He is good. It's a fundamental shift in our thinking if we can get a hold of that. So when you understand the depths of His love and mercy to you, towards you, you know the only thing that you can give is actually your all, giving your all to Him when you understand what He has done for you and how much He's given to you. So you might be saying here today, well, I believe in what you're saying uh, but I just don't know where to start. Well, what I want to do is just give you one practical application, one, one model, one method of doing this. If you're sensing that maybe God is saying something to you about giving to Him or, or just having a generous heart, 
uh, I want to give you a framework uh, that will help you begin to add giving to God to your daily spiritual walk with Him. Daily, weekly, monthly, whatever it is. So, you know, the reason is because as humans, we're terrible at discipline usually. We're not very good at establishing good habits in our life, are we? No one's going to acknowledge that. Thank you, Sandra. I appreciate that. The only honest person here. I can put up my hand. We're not very good at establishing good habits, but bad habits we just sort of fall into, don't we? Bad habits are super easy, but good habits we have to work at. We have to establish. So I want to just give you uh, a little framework here that you might be able to use if you're sensing God speaking to you about giving to Him. And it just goes like this. Priority, a giving, a type of giving that's priority, progressive, and percentage-based giving. Okay, three things. Number one, I'm going to make it a priority. And the Bible says, you know, freely, freely we have received. So freely, freely give. And there it is again. You know, We've received so much, therefore I'm going to, I'm going to give to God as a response to Him. So making it a priority, a response to the grace of God in my life. In my life. Secondly, I'm going to start with, the, with what I can afford. You know, and I just love this. When we get a hold of this concept in the Bible, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 12, when the Scripture's coming up there on your screen, it says, whatever you give, this is Paul. Okay, so he's talking to the Corinthian church about taking up this offering to help the, the Jerusalem believers, right? And he says to them, Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly and give according to what you have, not what you don't have. So God is not expecting you to give something that you don't have. He's saying to you, if you've, if you've got something, you can give to Him. Now, you know, there's, there's all sorts of different ways of looking at that. Some people say, well, I'm going to give, you know, I believe in giving to God, so I'm going to set this money aside you know, as soon as I get my pay packet, I'm going to set this aside and, and because I want to make that a priority and I'm going to give to God first. I'm actually going to talk a little bit about that next weekend. But, um, and some people might say, well, I'm going to spend, you know, pay my bills and do all my stuff. If there's anything left over, maybe I'll give something to God. You know, you, you've got to work it out yourself. You've got to work it out in your own heart. No one can do any of these things as an obligation uh, that's not the point of my message at all. But it says, whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly and give according to what you have, not what you don't have. I remember hearing a guy years ago um, preaching, um, telling story about how, you know, he was a, a great believer in the principle of tithing. And I, I do myself personally believe in that, which is like giving a tenth of your income to God. But uh, he was telling a story that, um, you know, he he's... He didn't have any money to, to tithe, and he, so he started selling his furniture so he could, so he could pay his tithe. And I, I, and I thought, look, it sounded pretty good at the time when he told the story. It was kind of a compelling story when he told it. But I just thought, when I think about that now, I think that's not what this verse is saying. Okay? It's saying, give out of what you have, not out of what you don't have. That's what he's saying. And what he's doing, he wants to release you and release me and release us from obligation and guilt. I do not want to use guilt as a way of getting you. Like, like if I got up here and I said, "Oh, folks, we've got all these important things happening, and we need money for this and that," and you know, we're just about to start, you know, a children's home in Africa, and we're about to, you know, we're we're giving money to the poor, and we're doing all this stuff, and blah blah blah. And we really need. I don't want to use guilt as a way of motivating you to give. I'm not. 
I'm not doing that. I'm saying to you, as Paul said, whatever you give is acceptable if it's out of what you have, not what you don't have. So I'm going to suggest work out a percentage of your income. Now, I'm going to suggest here 1% might be a starting point. 1% might be a starting point. Now, some probably give a lot more than that. We, we do, but... Um, so let's say, and I, at, at some risk, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick a figure here of average income. Now, uh, your income may be less than this. It might be a lot more than this, but uh, I'm, I'm going to just say maybe if you're, let's say your income, for example, is 50000 a year. Um, so <laughs> some people are horrified, you know, but just say, let's say 1% of 50000 is what? All the mathematicians, it's 500 bucks, right? 1% of 50000 is $500. So that's $10 a week almost. So and if you can't afford that, that's fine. That's fine. God says give out of what you can afford. So you might want to say half a percent a year, half a percent of your income to God. Again, I'm not wanting to use any kind of guilt or anything like that. I'm just wanting to say to you that responding to God, if God has done something good in your life, if he has blessed you in some way, then it's a good thing to do to be able to respond to that in some way in giving to God. So really what I'm doing here is I'm encouraging you to actually think about this because a lot of people never ever think about it. They just do, they might give uh, spasmodically or perhaps just on the spur of the moment, but they never actually think about what they're doing. And in the next verse that Paul says, it's actually in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he says to the Corinthians again, I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over and make up your own mind what you will give. Because God loves it when the giver delights in the giving. God loves it when you're giving out of a, a heart that is free, an open heart, and something that you, that you have decided in your heart. So he's saying, take time, think it over, and make up your mind. So I'm encouraging you to actually think about it. And the third principle I said about uh, progressive, you know, um, if, if, you want, if you felt that you wanted to give uh, 1% of your income to God, hey, that's fantastic. And what you can do, you can always say to yourself, well, you know, next year I'm going to increase that to 2%. If, if, if your faith is growing and God is doing something in your heart, you can increase that to 2% or, or more, whatever, you feel, whatever you're sensing that God is doing in your life. Um, and you, and you want, if you wanted to increase that, you could. So I'm going to be a bit of an advocate for that concept. You know, priority, progressive and percentage-based giving. It's just a simple little way of thinking about what I might be able to do to, um, to give and just to make things, as, as a, establish a habit in my life. You know, um, in Psalm 116, I love this verse of Scripture, and I've, I've quoted it here quite often, but uh, it says, What can I offer to God for all of His many benefits toward me? What can I give God for everything that He's done for me? I'm gonna, I will raise up. Then he, then he answers his own question. And he says, I will raise up the cup of salvation. I'm going to lift up God's cup of salvation, a toast to God, and I will, and I will praise Him with extravagant praise in, in the house of his people. What it's really saying is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give my heart to God. And, and I want to say today, friends, if, if you can get a hold of the blessing of God and what God is doing and has done in your life, the only legitimate response really 
It's not, it's not money. The only response is actually to give him your life. Give him your heart. Because you know what? That's what he's looking for. And when God says, you know, you can give money if, if, you, if you want, it's not about the money. It's about the heart. Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. That's what he wants. He wants your heart. The most meaningful thing you can do to respond to God is give him your whole life. He wants to place his stamp on your life. Oh, and I really believe this. God wants to mark you so that you will know and everyone will know that every good thing that he's planned for you is coming to pass in your life because the stamp of God is upon your life. Paul says to his young protege, Timothy, he says, Timothy, I want you to be an example of what a follower of Jesus is really like. That word example means, it, it means someone who's, as the, it means the mark caused by a blow, like a stamp, like when you get one of those big old stamps and put a stamp on something and you whack it, make it with a hammer to make it. That's what it means. That word example, it means an image or a picture or a mark, the mark caused by a blow that mark of God on your life, that God has done something so profound in your heart. He's done something so powerful in your life that everyone around can see, and it's a permanent impression upon your life. I love that concept. I just love that. It's a good thing.